Anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? It's episode 275 now of the Ron and Don Show. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Yeah, we are licensed brokers at Windermere, and don't forget, hit subscribe so you can continue to listen to the podcast. It'll drop every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. That's how you can help us. Hit subscribe. Keep supporting Les Schwab because they pay for uh, the podcast. And then keep referring us. Thank you for referring us to so many people this year. Uh, you've really helped the Ron and Don Nation and the Ron and Don real estate business. Of course, we're licensed brokers at Windermere. We have a buyer and we also have a seller playbook. And uh, we can send those out to you right now. All you have to do is just write Ron, Ron at Windermere.com, and we can get that out to you today all right hey coming up on the ron and don show we got headlines i like this a lot we do this every thursday except on the thursdays we don't do it i hit ron with some (laughs) headlines we get his opinion uh i pitch he hits let's do it on the other side of this they were more prepared they paid way more attention to detail um and then they just came in with a with a lot more knowledge and were able to set those expectations up a lot better When it comes to your real estate journey, it truly is one of life's biggest transactions. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit down. Hi, my name is uh, Anthony Kroll. Uh, We did a Ron and Don sit down and we sold our house for well over asking. I just knew that, you know, it was was a no brainer for me to at least reach out and try to see if it'd be a good situation and a good good fit for both of us. Of course, I had to talk about this with my wife first and, you know, she was extremely skeptical uh, skeptical about working with Ron and Don because uh, what do a couple of radio and podcast guys know about real estate anyways? They, they don't know anything, right? Uh, I mean, we're in Port Orchard, Washington. I mean, there's we had a, uh, a really cool home. I mean, I love the house. My wife loved it. Um, and there, But around us, there was nothing else like our house. Uh, they really came prepared. They And, you know, at the same time, I mean, they generally cared about just learning about us, the family, what our goals were, um, and just really worked with us to see if actually selling the home was a good option. They really won over my wife during that sit down uh, with their preparation, their market knowledge, their advice. Uh, we got an offer, I think day one, that was, uh, I want to say twenty five to 50000 over asking. And I was like, yeah. I'm like telling my wife, don't you think we should take this? I mean, this is a great offer. And she's like, no, we're sticking to this. We're going to wait till that offer review date, like Ron and Don said, waited till offer review date. And we had like, I don't know, seven or eight more offers and an offer a hundred thousand over asking, which, um, which is crazy to me. And yeah, I mean, I was, I had to eat some of that humble pie and apologize to the wife and tell her I was wrong and all that fun stuff. Ron and Don went completely out of their way for us over here when we we're selling our house. And I feel like they'll do anything to earn your business. <laughs> Don't forget, when you're ready to sit down and start your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. 
It's G-Force O'Neal. Thanks for listening to my dad and his boyhood friend, Mr. Ron. All right, you guys, welcome back to episode 275. And I'm going to hit Ron with some headlines. Headline number one, let's talk about Elon Musk and the fact that hackers are now warning him. They are warning him. If he doesn't come correct, they are going after Tesla. They are going after him. He's going to be in a lot of trouble. And it used to be with some of these hackers, and, and, and Ron and I learned a long time ago. We were in San Francisco, and this is when you had the tech bubble burst, but there's still so many tech people there, and this would be in the 1997-98 when we worked there. And I remember we had taken this brand new website and we had put it up online and our programmer came in and said, hey, this website is bulletproof because we had a problem with another website that ended up getting hacked. The next thing we know, we wake up the following day and the programmer, he has like this because there's pictures of us (laughs) on the website and all the people that work there and the programmer. Uh, there was a picture of him, I think, in a bikini. Uh, I think Ron was uh, uh, wearing something very fabulous that you would typically see someone maybe wearing in Vegas uh, if they were a male stripper there. Uh, someone had gone out and taken all our heads, put them on different bodies, different animals. They also did some disgusting things. What we found out is that if somebody wants to hack you, they're going to hack you. And so we we had told our programmer, Man, I dial I, back the bravado. I think next time you work on an unhackable website, you shouldn't say that it's unhackable. So now we've seen this happen with a pipeline, for instance, on the East Coast, or we see hackers now jumping in worldwide and uh, messing up banking systems and really going after trucking companies, going after teachers' unions, uh, anywhere where there's a pot of money sitting somewhere. And they can go in, lock it up, and then demand a ransom with ransomware. Uh, We see this happening more and more and more. So with Elon Musk, Ron, being on really the tip of the spear when it comes to tech, does he have anything to worry about when it comes to ransomware and not coming correct because he's pissed off a bunch of hackers out there? Uh, He's pissed off Anonymous, which is, uh, I watched the whole video. It's a guy in in the mask, and they, they alter his voice. And they have this whole creed or screed against Elon Musk that involves Bitcoin. And I don't understand the nuances of what their argument is. It sounds like what they're saying is that when Elon Musk has too much power on his social media to affect the price of Bitcoin, which he he can tweet about stuff and, and see the price of stocks or a Bitcoin move quite a bit. And so Bitcoin was up around $60,000 of Bitcoin, and now it's dropped down, I think, 38000 as as we're recording this right now. So if you had a lot of money in Bitcoin and you saw that go down by almost cut in half, I can see why they're upset. So this certain group inside of Anonymous is trying to draw a straight line to Elon Musk. Mm. And they're trying to point out some hypocrisies around what he's doing. And if they could get into like the Tesla system or get into uh, you know their mainframe or, or whatever, I'm sure they could wreak some havoc in their factory or in their sales or whatever you know they were able to infiltrate. And so 
I would take this seriously if I was Elon Musk. Like if they are targeting him, uh, you know, there could be some vulnerabilities in the, in the Tesla operating system. There could be some vulnerabilities. Like they use a lot of robots uh, to make these cars. Uh, and that's, he's prided himself on that. If they're able to get inside those systems uh, that I'm assuming are online, then there could be some serious issues for Tesla. So I, I would not dismiss it. Um, he, plays by a different rule book uh he's been slapped around a little bit by the sec when it comes to tesla stock and manipulating tesla stock and and going after short sellers on tesla i don't know if those same rules apply for crypto because it's not governed by the sec but um i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't just dismiss it out of hand yeah all right uh headline number two uh youtube in the next two years will generate more income and more revenue than all the major television broadcasting companies uh, combined. What do you think of that, NBC and ABC, and then even throw in some of the cable networks like CNN? This is really extraordinary, isn't it? Well, not really if you understand what they're doing. So uh, YouTube's evolution into an entertainment platform, it's probably, I probably go to YouTube now 70% of the time just for entertainment purposes and educational purposes. Uh, We need to look something up. It's the second biggest search engine in the world behind uh, Google, and it's owned by Google. And the thing that it can do is hyper- target advertising so that's incredibly valuable when, when you watch youtube and if you have gmail and you go to google you are giving your data and what you're interested in to google and so they might know oh this don o'neill character he's into peloton uh he drives this type of car um he's into fitness He's into uh, stoicism, maybe, or, or whatever. Uh, he likes to buy notebook journals, and he likes Puma tennis shoes, whatever that is. They've built this elaborate profile of you so that when you dial up a YouTube video, it's giving you a different ad than it would give me. So maybe it's giving you an ad for a new cycling shoe. It's giving you an ad for the things that are interesting to you. TV can't do that. TV cannot build that profile in the same way. And so if you're an advertiser, it makes more sense to buy on YouTube in a lot of ways. So the only, the last time I watched a live television program, I think was the Super Bowl. Like that's crazy. It's, it's been like half mm. a year since I watched live TV. Um, and, and yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. that YouTube has now eclipsed. Yeah. Remembering the Alamo. Uh, <laughs> we're seeing this happen a lot around our country where there are certain historians now that are coming forward down in Texas and they're like, Hey, this whole thing about Davy Crockett is a bunch of Crockett. It really is. So we need to remember the Alamo, but we need to remember it differently and what they're wanting to do when they remember the Alamo is to, and I don't know if you've ever been to the Alamo, uh, they want to cash in on the story, but to cash in on the story, you got to get the story correct. And I think what we're finding out is a lot of indigenous and native American people were not just treated very poorly, uh, but we brought disease uh, to these shores and then also, 
Uh, we brought guns and we brought horses. And it, it, when, when you think about some of the crimes against Native Americans uh, that happened as a result of us settling here, uh, specifically in North America and then down through the Southwest, there's, 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 it, it's not 1492 where Columbus sailed the blue. It's not the Nina Pinton, the Santa Maria. It's not Christopher Columbus was a great guy. Uh, that's whitewashed history right there. So the battle that they're having in Texas right now is who gets to tell the story of the Alamo, who's going to cash in on it. And what is the story of the Alamo? And if we're going to tell the story of the Alamo, are we willing to tell the real story? This is what I always tell people who say, Don, when it comes to, for instance, you talk a lot, of, a lot about the statues in the South and the statues are somehow uh, connected to our history. And I was talking to a friend of mine about this and he said, they shouldn't take down these thousands and thousands of, of statues and statues like Davy Crockett at the Alamo. You shouldn't do that because that's our nation's history right there. And the problem that I have that I never see anywhere is I never see the places where black people, 4 million uh, black people that were brought to America. I never see those places remembered where they were lynched. I never see those places remembered where they were gathered up and murdered in front of each other or a limb was taken off uh, or there was a beheading. You, you never see those things. Uh, at the, at the mouth of the Mississippi river where literally 4 million black people were sold and sent up the river. That's where that comes from. Sent up the river. They were sent up to Mississippi. You know, it's there. There's, there's, there's just a casino. It's a casino. So what about that history? If we're going to use statues and things like the Alamo to remember our history, I think it's important that we remember our history correctly uh, but Ron, this is going to continue to be a political fight forever. And right now in Texas, which we know leans way to the right, they're they're trying to figure this out and say, "Hey, was Davy Crockett a hero, or was he something else?" Yeah, so. they're saying the historians are going back, and I never really knew this. The subtext of the Alamo was a fight about slavery. Uh, Texans wanted to to continue to own human beings. The the government of Mexico was like, "No, you shouldn't be allowed to own human beings," and that was the the spark that got that war. The interesting thing to me when you were thinking you're talking about that is isn't it ironic that each state gets to decide the curriculum for the students of that state and so there's no law where voices get represented in other words like wouldn't it make sense to have like a national textbook curriculum oversight committee where on this committee you have black historians and native historians and Asian historians and white historians and you sit around a table and you're like, okay, we have federal money goes to all these schools. So we're not going to leave it up to an individual county school board to say, oh, we're teaching. Like we used to talk about Alabama a couple episodes ago where they, you weren't allowed to say the word namaste in that school district. Well, that's a local bias about a, a specific word. So when it comes to something like the Alamo or something like the Revolutionary War, uh, something uh, about early American history, it's mind-boggling that some county in Georgia 
gets to decide, we want this textbook over that textbook. And then uh, a school district in Seattle on Queen Anne gets to say, well, we want that textbook and not this textbook. Where they could be two entirely different versions of a U.S. history. And where we have no idea whether or not a black perspective or a native perspective is represented in those books at all. We have no idea that, uh, you know, the Alamo is presented as this heroic battle when closer to the truth was probably that, yeah, there were some heroic acts, but in the defense of slavery. So how that stuff is written, I I hope we move toward a system where policing in America, I think, should be uniformed. American history, I think it should be more uniform. I don't think there's a southern version of U.S. history and a northern version of U.S. There's just U.S. history. And I think it should be inclusive of all different voices and that it should be peer-reviewed. Where before you publish that textbook, you go to a respected black historian and go, hey, you okay with this? And they can look in the textbook and go, eh, I want to push back a little bit on these sections and hash it out. Come up with a textbook that is fair and reasonable and that so all of our seventh graders around America get to read a, a more truthful telling of what happened. Yeah, more on the other side of this. Hi, this is Therese, the new buyer specialist for all of you in the Ronadon Nation. If you're going to win a house in such a competitive market, you better have a good strategist. And that's what I specialize in. When you're ready to sit down with us, go to ronanddonsitdown.com. And now back to the show. All right, you guys, welcome back. Final uh, section of episode 275 of the Ron and Don show. Uh, before we get out of here, uh, the one question that everybody's asking us is, hey, is this real estate bubble going to burst? Uh, we have seen a shift in the market. In fact, uh, we were in some meetings this morning about the shift. What's the shift that we see, and uh, is this real estate bubble going to burst? Well, people are referencing the 2008 uh, housing crisis that that plummeted the U.S. economy and the world economy, and so it's not bursting like that. We are we are not in a bubble like that. The financial, the way you get a loan right now is entirely different than the way you would get a loan then. Uh, we all remember those different loan derivatives that we saw, or maybe most people do if you watch like The Big Short. You, you could go in and do a, a stated income loan in 2006 or 2007, meaning that nobody would verify your job. So you could just go in and say, hi, my name's Ron. I make 150 grand a year. Okay, here's your loan. Uh, and it's like, you want that as a three-year arm? Sure. And, and so people were buying houses, flipping houses, and there was this inflation of this bubble that when it burst, it caused all the ripples that we saw. Now you don't, it's very stringent. If you get a loan now, they verify your income, they go through all your documents. And so it's not the same type of bubble. It has been a crazy market though. And there's, you know, economists are arguing over what caused all this stuff in the, the specific Northwest, uh, we are seeing a change. There is more inventory coming on. There's some buyer fatigue. There's some seller fatigue. And you also have some people that are jumping in on all sides uh, trying to be a part of a feeding frenzy. And so there's 
a little bit of slop around or a lot of bit of slop around yeah. the edges that is not as appealing. Yeah, let, let me tell you what I what, what and this isn't to pick on our friends at Compass, but let me pick on them for a minute. I I drove by a house the other day and the grass in the front yard was 3 feet high and there were there were the, the curtains were sheets and you could just and and this was this is a house for sale. Yeah, and sometimes you'll see this and something was up zoned, and so the house is a tear down. This house is a nice house. It wasn't tear down. It wasn't an up zone area. It was just so many people are frantic that they think they're going to miss the market, and so they're 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 they are coming to the market as quick as they can. Now we're on other other side of COVID, but they're not doing the proper things to the house that they need to do in order to bring it to market and get those multiple offers. So the multiple offers are still out there. But the multiple offers are only out there for really nice, great, cream puffy houses. So if there's a house that needs a lot of work, your house is going to sit, especially if you price it too high. So, and it's just been that way. And we we always hear the stories about the the fifteen, the sixteen, the eighteen offers. Uh, but there's so many stories where there were no offers. There were absolutely no offers, and sometimes on on nice homes. So we do see kind of an influx of inventory. We're on the other side of COVID here, and the thing that people have to understand too: money is still rel- relatively cheap, and housing is scarce. And the reason housing is scarce is because in 2000 there was a lot of overbuilding that was going on around the country, right? And then we saw. The bubble actually started bursting around 2006 and a half, you guys. And then when it burst, it really burst. And then we went through this time period where there wasn't a lot of housing being built. And even now, the question here in the specific Northwest, as my son likes to call it, is do you tear down a perfectly good house that's kind of like a starter home? to build a bigger, nicer house for maybe a family of four or two partners or whatever family looks like these days. And, and, and that's the difficulty that we have. A lot of starter homes typically in a lot of communities get torn down and new, new homes are built. Here, here in Seattle, a, a starter home, there's a starter home I'm looking at right now as I'm sitting in, in our studio and I'm looking out the window. My next door neighbor's home is a starter home. It was the exact same home that was built in 1907 is the house uh, that used to sit on this lot before I dismantled it and built a different home. And in those homes, 10, 11 years ago, you could buy that home next door for $450,000. If you try to buy that home today, it's $1.3 million. Then you have to tear it down to build another home. And then lumber costs right now for one piece of CDX plywood. Do you know what CDX is? It's construction grade plywood. It means it still has all the knots in it on both sides. It's nothing that you would do any finish work with. It's just construction grade. For, for a three-quarter inch piece of CDX plywood right now, uh, if you go to Limbeck Lumber in Ballard, it's anywhere between $92 and $100 for that one sheet of plywood. And for some context, you go a year ago, that would be... 24. 20 bucks, 24 bucks? Yeah, maybe $24. Right now, for a two-by-four, you're paying $3 a linear foot. A foot, a linear foot. So, so that becomes real difficult. If you're going to go out and build something, and I'm, I'm, I'm building a house right now, and I went and picked up some lumber the other day, and just for some plywood and some two by fours to get our framing going, and this wasn't some big framing package. 
is $15,000 just for a bundle of two by fours and a bundle of CDX plywood and uh, OSB gold three quarter inch tongue and groove. That's also about a hundred dollars too. So it, 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 it's very difficult right now on a, on a, on an average home around America, just in lumber costs, you're going to pay $38,000 more for that home. But here in the Pacific Northwest, you're going to pay a lot more than $38,000 because of the dirt. The dirt is so expensive because if they tore that house down next to me and there wasn't a house there, that lot would still be worth $1.2 to $1.3 million. It's about the dirt. It's about the lot. It's about the view. It's about the location. How close are you to tech? How close are you to Amazon? How close are you to Expedia? Over on the other side of the water when you get on the east side, which it's just humming along there where the average price of a home is almost a million bucks right now. Isn't that crazy? The average price of a home is almost a million dollars on the east side. So I don't see anything bursting, but I do see some things kind of slowing down and correcting as we head into the summer. But if money stays cheap, I think as we kids go back to school in the fall, I think it takes off again and boom, here it goes. So if you're thinking about selling, call us today. And uh, let's get ready to come on this fall, okay? Reach out to Ron, ron at windermere.com, and we'll do a sit-down today. Hey, you guys, thanks for listening. People ask us all the time, how can we help you guys? Because we know you do this show for free. Uh, The way that you can help us is by really supporting Les Schwab. They've always supported us well over 10 years now. They've supported the Ron and Don Show, and they support this podcast. In fact, we're live from the Les Schwab studios right now. So if you need to get your tires checked, you need some new brakes, struts, whatever it is, stop by Les Schwab uh, Tire Center. There's 85 locations to serve you. Also, when you hit subscribe, that means a lot for the algorithm. So when you order the show every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday – and you give us a great rating, like a five-star rating, like many of you have, and you've written something really sweet, and we read all those, thanks for doing that. That helps distribute the show. And then finally, for our real estate business, that's how we pay our bills around here. Uh, We are licensed brokers at Windermere, and really, it's about your referrals. It's about you telling other people about the Ron and Don Show, the Ron and Don Nation, the Ron and Don Real Estate Business And we know that a lot of you trust us. You just do because you listen to us on radio for years. You know our hearts. You know Cause Radio. You know what we care about. And you know we're going to work very, very hard to not let you down, to be transparent, and to always be honest with you and negotiate like a mother to get you the very best deal, whether you're on the buy side, the sell side, or the invest side. Okay? So thank you for telling other people about us. We appreciate that. And it has really helped our business grow. Getting things done. 21. Keep your head up. Keep your shoulders back. Thanks for listening to episode 275. And episode 276, it's on its way. Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Keep your head up and your shoulders back. And we'll see you next time on the Ron and Don Radio Network.